Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. So last week we started a message uh, uh, that I entitled Mighty to Save. How many of you remember that? Amen? And so, and so th- this morning as I was praying and preparing for, for today, I felt led in my heart to continue in that same uh, uh, book of Psalms, chapter 107, and, and we're going to continue there this morning. But since I was kind of, you know, uh, uh, harassed of, of not telling jokes before my messages, I'm going to go ahead and give you a couple this morning, all right? So wipe the serious look off your face. There's joy in the house of God, amen? How many of you are ready for some laughter? All right, I got a good one for you. Not that good, but it's good. Why should you never tell a taco a secret? Because they tend to spill the beans. I thought, I thought that was going to get a better response. I felt some of you fake laughed. It was like, <laughs> okay, I got one more. I got two more. A man walks into a library and he orders a hamburger. And the librarian says, this is a library. And the man apologizes and whispers, I'd like a hamburger. Yeah, all right. You know, it's hard to find good, clean jokes on the Internet, okay? So I'm, 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 just, I'm just letting you know, it's, odds are stacked against me. All right, last one, and, and this, one should, uh, this one should get you. I'm going to be careful with the words that this uses because, you know, we're in a sensitive society. So a bus full of non-good-looking people, <laughs> a bus full of ugly people had a head-on collision with a truck. And when they died, God granted all of them one wish. And the first person said, I want to be gorgeous. And so God granted that wish, and it happened. And the second person said the same thing, and God did the same thing. And this went on and on and on throughout the entire group. And so God noticed the last man in line. He was just laughing hysterically by himself. And so by the time God got to the last 10 people, the last man was laughing so hard that he was rolling on the ground. And so when that man's turn came, he laughed and he said, I wish they were all ugly again. (laughs) Yes, all right. The Bible says that laughter is like medicine to the soul. Amen? It's like medicine and it's like healing to the soul. Amen? And so this morning, if you have your Bibles... Open them up to the book of Psalms, chapter 107. We're going to be looking at verses 23 and and on. And so when you find that in your Bible, when it's on the screen, say amen. And we're going to get into the word this morning. Psalms 107, verse 23 says, Some went out on the sea in ships, and they were merchants on the mighty waters. They saw the works of the Lord, his wonderful deeds in the deep, and he spoke, it says, for he spoke and stirred up a tempest that lifted high the waves. Now, who spoke? It's God. Who lifted high the tempest? It's God. It says, they mounted up to the heavens and they went down to the depths. So this is describing, how many of you have ever gone deep sea fishing or or been on a boat in, in rough waters? Has that ever happened to anybody? I'll go ahead and share an embarrassing story with you that Pastor, I think, has shared before. A few years ago, we went fishing, and we were on a charter boat, and they took us out to the edge of the jetties, and, and like, it's crazy. It's like, as soon as you pass, like, this little certain point, like, I mean, dude, you're doing this. 
And I've been deep sea fishing before. When I was younger, I went uh, uh, to a little town uh, off the coast of Oregon, uh, close to the Portland area, and I've, I've, I've gone two miles out into the ocean to, to fish. But this was a little different because we were next to rocks. The waves just kind of, you know, react because of the rocks in the water. And so, you know, we get there, and we're sitting on the boat, and it's me and Pastor and, and my brother-in-law, Freddie, and we're, we're sitting on the boat, and it's like, and at first, you know, you're like, I see the land. The land's like right there. It was like to the back of the church. It was, I could swim to the, to the shore, you know. It's just like, but you see the land and it doesn't move and, and you're doing this. Anybody ever seen that filter where it looks like they're wobbling, you know. It's one of those things. So we're sitting on the, on the fishing boat and I, I remember about five minutes passes by. And all of a sudden I just feel like this little sensation and I start getting pale. I'm kind of like, oh, oh. And then the captain looks at me, he's like, you all right? And I was like, uh. And I, I, I ran over to the side of the boat, and, and unfortunately, I lost my breakfast. <laughs> so here, it is talking about this, and I want us to understand this, because if you've ever been on a boat, then you're going to know exactly what they're feeling. It says, they mounted up to the heavens. That's like the wave took them up, and they went down to the depths. And so it says, in their peril, their courage melted away. Now, I don't know about you if you've ever been on a boat in, a, in an ocean. When it starts doing that thing, I mean, it gets a little intimidating. Especially if, you know, you're not the best swimmer or, you know, even if you got a life jacket on and you're in the middle of the ocean, it can be intimidating because how many of you know that there's things in the ocean that can take your life? Anybody ever done the banana boat thing? Has anybody ever done that at the island? Man, you bunch of chickens. Anybody? Okay, okay. A couple, yeah, brother Ralph, all right. I remember doing one of those things, and, you know, you ever have a little piece of seaweed hit your foot, and you think it's a shark? You know, you automatically think the worst. It's like, man, that, that was a barracuda. You know, that was something in the water that, that got me. And so I want us to understand this. They're on a boat. They're going through this high seas, and it says, and in their peril, their courage melted away. It goes on to say they reeled and they staggered like drunkards and they were at their wits end. So if we can understand the picture that, that the psalmist is, is, is painting for us this morning, I want us to, to understand how challenging a storm can be, how challenging it can be to be in the middle of something that you have no control over. You have no control over an ocean. You have no control over this vast thing that is moving you and is shaking you and is moving your life. And so there are times, church, when the Lord actually has to strike the waters of our ships that we are sailing on to shake us from apathy and comfort zone. So you're there and you're in this ocean. You're on this thing. You're on this ship. You're out there, you know, trusting God. But all of a sudden, it's just shaking a little bit too much. And you're going, whoa. I don't know why this thing's moving the way that it is, but I am losing my wits here is what it says. I'm shaken so much in my soul. I'm, I'm bothered so much by what I am experiencing in this moment that it has a way, church, of shaking you out of your comfort zone. How many of you know that God is just? God is just. If God has to shake you and stir you to get your life to wake up to see that you need to trust in him in that moment, God will do it. 
Why? Because he loves you so much. He loves you intensely, church, that he will do anything that he can do to get you to wake up and see that we have to trust in him. The scripture says the intensity of the storm melted their courage. It melted their courage. They were men that were used to being on the ocean. They were men that were trained in this. And all of a sudden it shook so much that it melted their courage. They thought they were strong until the storm proved it was stronger. And oftentimes in our life and in our walk with the Lord, there are times, church, when the storm, the storm seems stronger. It seems bigger and you thought you were strong in him. You thought you were prepared in him. You thought you were courageous in him. And the Bible says that it just melted away. It just melts away. Psalm chapter 50 and verse 3. It says, our God comes and he will not be silent. A fire devours before him and around him a tempest rages. I'll read that one more time. It says, our God comes and he will not be silent. A fire devours before him and around him a tempest rages. Sometimes we assume because the storm is raging that it's always an attack from the enemy. But this scripture is actually pointing to the fact that where God is, a tempest rages on. That God is in the middle and in the midst of the storm, church. That where he is, a tempest rages on. And the beauty about that fact, church, is that God never leaves us. God never leaves us. It could be as rocky and it could be as rough of a, of a ride as you've ever experienced in your life today. But guess what? God has not left you. But sometimes the intensity of a raging storm in you or around you will cause you to think as though God has turned against us. Or as God has turned his back on us when the reality is, is he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. Luke chapter 8 and verse 22 says this. It says, one day Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. Now this doesn't sound like a bad thing at all. It's in fact a simple invitation from Jesus to go from one side of the lake to the other. It says, so they got into a boat and they began to set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep and a squall came down on the lake. That is like a downpour. It just came down on the lake, it says, so that the boat was being swamped. Now imagine being on water and then having water fill your boat. That's like the ultimate, like, you know, scary sandwich. You got water under you, you got water over you, it's filling your boat. You're going to go down if it doesn't stop. It says the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. And the disciples, they went and they woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters and the storm subsided and all was calm. The storm subsided and everything was calm. Jesus proves here that you have authority over every storm that you can sleep in. He's proving in this moment, church, that, that you have authority over every storm that you can sleep in. This is why unrest, listen to me carefully, and, and this is why unrest and oftentimes sleeplessness in the storms of life is the result of faithlessness. 
If it has kept you awake, if it has tormented your life where you do not rest and you do not sleep and you find yourself awake at every hour in worry and in burden and your heart is just swamped by that storm that you're going through, it could reveal a lack of faith in your life. It could reveal that the storm has gotten so great and it has gotten so bad that it's actually shook you off of your, your faith. Verse 25, Luke 8 and 25 Jesus says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? He asked the disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. They obey him. Other times in scripture, I'm reminded the storm was brought upon sometimes by themselves. Again, because of apathy or refusal to do what God has commanded us to do can sometimes unknowingly bring about a storm. I'll say that one more time. Because of apathy or the refusal to do what God has commanded you to do can sometimes unknowingly bring about a storm. In the book of Jonah, and we're not going to turn there, but if you've ever read the story of, of Jonah... You'll find out in chapter 1 in the book of Jonah, we find that Jonah was given the command to go to the city of Nineveh and preach against it because of their wickedness. God had given Jonah a specific command. He said, Jonah, I need you. You're the messenger of the hour, Jonah. And I have an assignment for you, Jonah. And you need to go to this city and I need you to preach against what they are doing. But instead of doing as God had commanded him, he tried to run from God. Now I know that nobody in the house of God's ever tried to run from God. I know nobody in here has ever heard the commandments or the voice of God telling you what to do. And you go, hmm, what? Me? God calls you by name. He doesn't mistake what he tells you. He didn't like look at you and he was talking to the person behind you. He told you. He gave you a command. He gave you a, 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 an assignment. He gave you something that he is holding. He is trusting that you will fulfill for his assignments in the earth. And it says that he tried to run from God and he jumped on a ship to flee. And scripture teaches us, church, that the Lord sent a great wind on the seas that threatened to break up the ship. This storm was brought about by Jonah's disobedience. This wasn't just like, I don't know, you know, the weather shifted and the guy on the news channel said that, you know, the rain was going to come. No, no, no. God's like, you think you can run, Jonah? I'm going to catch you because I have an assignment for you. And maybe somebody in here that is listening to the sound of my voice, you've been running from God. He will catch you, my friend. And he will do everything in his power to bring you back to the place where you fully trusted him. Because every single one of us has heard the lies of the devil that, oh, no, God can't use me. Oh, no, God can never fulfill anything through my life. God, you don't know what I've done. God, you don't know how far from you I have run. He knows. And yet the Bible says that he has called you by name. So Jonah's on this boat, 
He's in the middle of the ocean with this group of men. And they asked Jonah, they said, what have you done? And they knew, the Bible says specifically, they knew that he had disobeyed the Lord. So they're looking at him like, what did you, what did you do, Jonah? What did you do that we're all about to die? We're on the middle of this ocean. And they knew he disobeyed God. So guess what Jonah said? He said, throw me overboard and the sea will become calm. Jonah's like, get rid of me. I'm the problem. The wrath of God is about to be taken out on you when it should be taken out on me. Now I want to pause here just for a second. Because some of you might have people on your ship that God is telling you to throw overboard. Not because they're not redeemable or unable to be saved, but because they are the reason that you are sinking. They are the very reason that you are sinking. They are the very reason that you're going back to things that God redeemed you from. They are the very reason that they're pulling you back into a mindset and into a way of life that Jesus died to free you from. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, I want us to understand this clearly because you might be thinking, Pastor Duke, did you just tell us to throw away all these bad people in our life? That's not what I said. Listen to me clearly. God is going to deal with the Jonas in your life. God is going to deal with the Jonas in your life. He is going to have his way in them, but you need to throw them overboard so their influence no longer has strings attached to your soul that is manipul manipulating your life. The scripture says that once they threw Jonah overboard, the sea became still. It was a self-inflicted wound that they were suffering. And I pray that there's nobody in here today that has been suffering self-inflicted wound because you're unwilling to throw the Jonah out of your life that has been actually causing this havoc. And it is like an open door for the enemy to just pass through into your life. Some of you have associated with people, they, they, they're, they're not believers. The Bible says, what does light have fellowship with darkness? They don't have fellowship together. But you, you insist on staying in that relationship because it's like, oh, well, you know, they, they're, they're family, they're blood, they're, 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 you know, we grew up together, this and that. Listen, listen, what is better, to follow the obedience and the commandments of God or to simply just have somebody in your life that is doing absolutely nothing for you? How many of you want to obey God? How many of you want to give God glory? How many of you want to be one that is known by God that hears that benediction that says, well done, good and faithful servant? That's what I want to hear. Amen? That's what I want to hear. And listen, Paul said that we have to throw off the things that so easily can hinder us. And sometimes that means it happens through a relationship in your life. Follow through, church, with what God is commanding you to do. We hear the voice of God all the time. He speaks clearly to your life, but you need to follow through with what the Lord is telling you to do in your life. Oh, but they're my friends. Oh, but I'm just trying to be an example of the love of God to them. Stop fooling yourself because more often than not, that relationship causes you to compromise your relationship with God. When the storm is tough, 
God is enough. He's going to get you through it, church. But we have to be obedient to him. We must be obedient to him. Psalms 107 and verse 28. It says, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad when it grew calm, and he guided them to their desired haven. Has God ever calmed a storm in your life? Hallelujah. I said, has God ever calmed a storm in your life? Has he ever taken you from pain to peace, from restlessness to rest, from hurt to hope? I know that my God, church, has redeemed my offensive sins. The very things that I did that pained his heart, but he pulled me out from the miry clay. And he set my feet upon a rock, church, because when I call upon him, church, he has built my home on a firm foundation. And I will not be shaken, church. But this is what we must believe. This is what we must trust in. You will not be shaken if you are standing firm in the Lord. You will never be shaken if you are standing firm in the Lord. We've got to get this right. Amen. We've got to get this thing right, church. The Bible says of that woman who was forgiven much that she loved much. Oh, man. I've been forgiven much. I've been forgiven much, church. To know the things that I have done. To offend my God. And to know that his love still covers the multitude of my sins. This is why I love him. This is why I serve him. This is why I've given my life fully to him, church. The Bible says that she poured out her alabaster jar of oil upon the feet of Jesus. She was demon possessed. She was controlled by the darkness for many, many years. And she had an encounter with Jesus that completely changed her life and transformed her life forever. That the only response of this great, vast forgiveness that she had received in her life would be worship. It would be worship. She gave everything that she had in worship. Now, some of you don't understand that. Because for some of you, it's like, well, you know, I grew up in church. I, I never did this. You know, I never did that. You know, I, I listen, you've still been forgiven much. Don't ever think that you've been forgiven little. Trust me, you've been forgiven much, even if you sat in the church every single day of your life. You have been forgiven much. God's forgiven me much. And this is why I give him the best of my praise. If God has forgiven you much, I want you to give him the best of your praise right now. He is faithful, church. He is faithful. He is faithful. Come on, somebody give him glory in the house of God today. We worship you, Jesus. You are our redeemer, God. You've restored us, God. You're the one that puts that step in our dance, God. You're the one that puts that song from our mouth, God. You're the one that we meditate on day and night, God. We have been forgiven by the precious blood of Jesus, God. We owe it all to you, Lord. We owe it all to you, Jesus.
Oh, we owe it all to you, Lord. Whoo, I love him. I love him. I love him. Psalm 107 verse 31 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. We exalt you, Lord Jesus, in this place. We exalt you, Lord Jesus, in this place. We love you, Lord. We love you, God. We thank you. Psalm 107 verse 33, let's keep going. He turned rivers into a desert. Flowing springs into thirsty ground and fruitful land into a salt waste. There are times, church, when the rain of heaven stops falling. And there are times when the rivers of his goodness and mercy stop flowing. Why? Because some of you have been drinking from the well and dancing in the rain, but you failed to acknowledge that it came from him. I said, you've been drinking from the well and you've been dancing in the rain, but you failed to acknowledge it came from him. He will shut up the heavens. Did you know that? Our acknowledgement of where our help comes from our praise that we offer it, not to ourselves, because of our smarts, our, our wittiness, our, 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 all our hard work. Listen, the Lord loves the fact that you work hard. That's okay. And he's honored you as such. But we have nothing in this life unless it was given to us by the Lord. Psalm 74 and verse 15, it says, It was you who opened up the springs and the streams, and you dried up the ever-flowing rivers. You see, it's because of God alone, church, that you are living and you are breathing now. It is because of God alone that we have life in our bodies. It is because of God alone that we are able to go on another day. Amen? It's because of God alone, church. If, if, if he is the God who sends rain on the earth, if God who causes the rivers to flow, if God who can make pools in the desert stops the rain, then maybe it's because we have lost sight of where our living water comes from. It's like, God, we've been crying out for rain, Lord. We've been crying out for your help, God. We've been crying out, Lord, for your mercy, God, over our land, God. We've been crying out, God. We've been crying out. But listen, church. Listen, we cannot lose sight of where our help comes from. We have to understand where the living water comes from, church. It does not come from our government. It does not come from our world leaders. It does not come from a stock market. It does not come from your wealth or your health. It does not come from your weaponry. It all comes from God. He is the creator, church, of every living thing. Every living thing. I didn't give this to the guys, but guys, would you open up to Colossians chapter 1? Verse 15, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things Hold together, And he is the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning and the firstborn from amongst the dead. So that in everything he might have supremacy. 
God is not okay with being last place in your life. He's not okay with being second. He's not okay with being like one and a half. He must be supreme in your life, church. He must have supremacy and complete supremacy in your life. And so if you are living in a season where your mouth is a little parched and the heat of the desert has been turned up around you, it's because maybe you thought your water came from your well. But listen, you thought it was because of what you've done, your works, your traditions, your religion, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are speaking to us now today. Just like he spoke to that Samaritan woman in the book of John chapter 4, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. That is the water of our works the water of our pride and the water of our religion and tradition he said but whoever drinks from the water that I give them will never thirst he said the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up to eternal life from within John 6 and 35 let's go there thank you Holy Spirit how many of you remember this verse this is a good one Jesus declared, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Never. That's a good promise. Amen? That is a fantastic guarantee. They will never be hungry, and they will never go thirsty. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 2 says, Listen, you heavens, and I will speak. Hear you, earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew, like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. He says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord. Oh, praise in the greatness of our God. He is the God. His works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. Upright and just is he, church. He makes no wrong decisions. He makes no wrong decisions. What you could be experiencing today, he has made no wrong decision. He has made no wrong decision in your life. If you think your desert is unmerited, think again because my God is just. He does no wrong. He does absolutely no wrong. He is upright. Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, man. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Verse 7, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? It says if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. You're not true sons and daughters at all. It says, moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as though they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. It says later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. It talks about the legitimacy of your sonship. of being a son or daughter in God has everything to do with allowing the Lord to discipline your life. 
If you refuse discipline, you're not a son and you're not a daughter of God. But if you allow the Lord that place in your life to be able to mold you, to be able to shape you, to be able to continue to make you in the image of his precious son, Jesus Christ. Then the Holy Spirit inside of you cries out that he is Abba Father. That he is Abba Father. Discipline from God is a difficult thing. The weight of God's discipline sometimes is, is very, very challenging. But the Bible says that he will not give you anything beyond what you can bear. And the reason why the Lord allows seasons, church, where sometimes it feels like you've been wandering in a desert, sometimes it feels like the storm is, is so great and so vast around you, is because he's wanting us to look up to the heavens. He's wanting us to not... Focus on our circumstance and focus on our problem, but he's wanting us to grow a greater trust in him. He's wanting us to strengthen our spiritual muscles in him to know, church, that he's never going to forsake you. He's never going to leave you. And when we get over that hump of fear, when we get over that, that, that place in life where storms can dictate the way we live, then we step into our identity in the Lord. Then we step into our assignment to fulfill that which God has commanded us to do. There is not one person in here that is not known by God and has not been known by God. The Lord knows every single one of us and he's created us. The Bible says that he formed us when we were in our mother's womb. That is, he wove you together perfectly Everything that you've experienced into your life up until this point was all part of God's design and plan. And the pain and the struggles and the questions and the things where we have, you know, sometimes, you know, misunderstood what God allowed or what God did or, or, or the way things panned out. Those are not questions, church, that, that you may ever have answered in this lifetime. So it's pointless to stop reeling over an answer that God may never give you. But what is important is this. Is that we would be so focused on the Lord. We would be so focused on what God has told us to do in this season. In obedience to his word. In obedience to what he's told us to do that we would begin to walk this thing out every single day. Because the Lord is coming back for a harvest. I'll say it one more time. The Lord is coming back for a harvest. And he's given you the seed to sow. He's given you his son, Jesus Christ. He's given you the gospel. We have everything that we need for life and godliness. But we have to snap out of the mode that this is somehow about us and less about him. The Bible says, I believe in the book of 1 Timothy, it says, 
soldiers in the army of the Lord don't get involved in civilian affairs. That is, there is a responsibility from the people of God to understand the mandate and understand what we have been entrusted in in this life. Because the moment that you said yes to Jesus, the moment it was the moment that you stepped into a war zone. And the moment that you stepped into a war zone, he gave you the weapons and he gave you the armor and he gave you, he supplied you with the needs of this war that you are now in. But he is commanding us, church, to not just simply be a person that stands on the sideline and does nothing with this saving gospel that he's given us. I have to say this because it's very common in our society it's very common where we live that we think that we're somehow secure because of oh my dad's a pastor and you know my parents were missionaries and, and this kind of thing this is a personal decision this is a personal decision to follow Jesus David the Bible says that when David was walking towards the battle line to face the giant Goliath. King Saul saw that David was unarmored and he was unprotected. And so Saul offered David, he said, hey, listen, you need to put on my armor. You need to put on, you know, my, my shield. You need to put on my mask. You need to put on, you know, the, the, you know, all the armory over your body. And David, the Bible says that David put him on. And he was just a kid. You know, he was like 16 at the time. He puts him on and David's walking around. He's like, it's too big. This, this isn't for me. This doesn't work. And for some of you, you are trying to live through somebody else. And God is saying, hey, listen, I've already given you what you need. Don't depend on anybody else for what I have given you because I have supplied your needs. I've supplied the very thing that you need to fulfill your assignment in this world. So don't worry about somebody else's armor. Get your own. And for David on that day, he didn't actually need to hold anything. He didn't actually need to have anything because he had the Lord in his life. He had the God of the angel armies who had gone before him already and told him how to fight this battle. And I need your heart to be encouraged today because God has told you how you need to fight this battle. God has told you, he's commanded you in his word exactly what to do. But it is a matter of marching forth and following the voice of the Lord and being obedient to the Lord in this season. Your business is not greater than God. Your work is not greater than God. The things that you have to do on a daily basis are not more important than God. I said they are not more important than God. At some point in your life, you will have to make crucial decisions and trust that God will provide. That God will provide, but there must be righteous decisions that are made and you have to stay tuned in to the Holy Spirit. You've got to stay tuned into Him. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.